I had a sledding accident. <laughs> Sitting on one half of my backside today. And we had to pick which side we were going to sit on this morning based on stupid sleds and rocks. It's true. Snow. Conversations you don't hear when yeah. you're not backstage. Yeah, that's <laughs> That's do it. you care which side you're on? Yeah, yeah, I do, actually, today. And then uh, yesterday, my back started hurting, so I get up, and I'm like, okay, i got to go crooked, and then we're up. We're good. We're good. So. <laughs> we're in good well, shape. Quite the pair. Quite the pair for are. the new year. We're yeah, ready. It's we're good. ready. Um, I felt like 2016 was such a year of, of uh, talking and uh, analyzing and uh, opinions. And uh, there was about about September, October, where I just wanted to scream out loud every single time that I was out in public or turned on the TV, just, I get it. You have an opinion. Every single person has an opinion about something. And, and the, the volume of the opinions was overwhelming. And then just last week, I was grabbing a coffee and, and just kind of trying to read and, and spend time with, with the Lord and, and write and think about certain things. And there was a person, um, a lovely um, person made in the image of God, and, and yet super annoying, just, just, I mean, six to eight feet away talking so loud, I'm not quite sure to whom, but the, the volume of, uh, just literal volume of his voice was just overwhelming and it was just constant. And so I put the earphones in, cranked my music to drown out the, the sound. It was, and that still didn't work. And then he began, began to sound kind of like one of the, the, the adults on the Peanuts cartoon. They're just a wah, 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 wah. And that, that, it just, it was awful. It just, I had to put my hands then over the ears with the earbuds inside to drown out the, the volume. And then turning on Ryan Seacrest last night to watch the countdown and just more and I don't know what it may. I'm just tired of the opinions and the volume and the talking and, but, but there just seems like there's so, so much of it. And there's a time to talk. Uh, there's a, a time for, for opinions. There's a time to weigh in. Um, but, but I don't ever want to be the type of individual who uh, talks more than I love. Um, I don't want to be the type of follower of Jesus, especially, who is constantly weighing in about my opinion, constantly talking about things and yet never doing, uh, that my faith would be without action. Because as followers of Jesus, we are called to live out our faith in love. Yes, we, we need to speak, uh, but I want to put uh, hands and feet uh, to the faith that I have in Jesus Christ. If I have come to an understanding of how wonderful He is and what an amazing model and example that He set, then I, I want to be one that, that lives that out in front of somebody else and rather than just talk about it. And so we'll gather here and we'll worship our God and we will have a conversation about God here. It's appropriate to come around His Word and talk. But the vast majority of our week should be about the business of, of putting our, our love into to action. 
And not just sit on the sidelines and commentate, but, but rather to, to get in the game. And I need, I need that to take place in, in my own life this year. I want that to take place at a whole different level for Heights Church this year. That we would take that step, I mean, whatever it is about, really, this is just another day, but for, for some reason we feel like there, there's an opportunity to reset and fresh start and resolutions and new beginnings that we've, we, we've talked about here. I, I think now's as good a time as any to remind ourselves that there is so much exciting opportunity for us around the corner here. And I'm excited for that. I know, I know last year it was a difficult year for, for so many. Um, right here in our own church, it was a difficult year. Um, it was a difficult year as a, as, a, as a nation, as a world. It was a difficult year. And you look around at uh, just even the, the volume of people that, that have some level of prominence in our society uh, passing away. Um, just, just all over the place. It just felt like one after another and, um, just kept reminding myself, man, this, this life that we've got, it's, it, it's a vapor. Uh, we, we've all, all of us just have, I mean, just a, just a moment. You, eh, life is short, but eternity is long. And then, so we should live like that. I live with an understanding of that. Uh, the scriptures uh, are filled with, with moments and phrases where, where godly people were trying to remind the people that were alive at that time. Uh, make the most of every opportunity, Paul says to the Ephesians. Living not as unwise, but as wise. You, you get Mordecai encouraging Esther that, hey, you, you may be in a position for such a time as this. Um, James is the one that says your, your life is, is just a vapor. It's here and then it's gone. So let's not, let's not waste what, what time we've been given. Jesus over and over said, um, the kingdom of God is at hand. He would address that with individuals or sometimes groups of people repent because the kingdom of God is at hand. And that is as much true today as it was 2000 years ago when he was saying it while he was walking around here on earth. He wanted to remind people like the kingdom is already here and it's already building and it's already growing and you have an opportunity to be a part of the kingdom. And so don't miss it. Don't, don't waste it on lukewarm living. We've got a moment here. We've got an opportunity here. The kingdom of God uh, is at hand. And so what's that mean for us as a church? That's some of the stuff that we just want to talk about today. Yeah, like Ron said, I think you, you don't have to know Jesus. I can't sit down, sorry. <laughs> you don't have to know Jesus to sense that life is short. Like, like life throughout the year, I don't know what your year was like, but last year for me, there were moments where instantly I was pulled out of wherever I was to this moment going, life is short. This person was here and now they're gone. 
And I think New Year's has a way of grabbing us in, in, in this idea of, of a sense of urgency with life, that to live it to the fullest. And I think one of the things that we do that with is, is New Year's. I think New Year's naturally we get into this thing called resolutions, right? But, but if you begin to think about resolutions and, and what they really are, they, they often tie into making my life better in the next year. Making my position, making my where I am, whatever, whatever that happens to be, making this better somehow. And, and so I will, I will set my goal there knowing that if I do that, then, then this, whatever this is, however long this is, this gets better. And, and this, this idea of urgency and moving and life mattering, I think that's what New Year's really kind of screams at us, is that life matters, another year is coming, and, and there is this sense of freshness. And like Ron said, with this, this idea of urgency as a church, we, we want to tie into that. We, we want to take, take this week especially and go, man, what, what does it mean for us? How do I interact? What is this? As we venture out on new services and we venture out into new waters and, and people are making shit. What is this? What causes this to, for, for us gets as, as fired up at times like you're changing my service. Right? That means you're connected. That's a good thing. That means you're, you're, you're in. But are you in for the right things? If you have a Bible, we're going we're gonna to camp out towards the end of Romans now, if you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. Somebody will get you one. But we're going to camp out specifically in 13, 14, and 15. We're not going in any specific order. Just more pulling thoughts, going where are we at, and, and kind of anchoring our souls, if you like, and, and the soul of the church, kind of anchoring it back to, to what is this? Why are we here? And what does it mean collectively as a whole as we move forward into the new year in the seasons of new beginnings for us with this sense of urgency? So in chapter 14... Romans chapter 14, and the context is this. You have a melting pot of a church, meaning people coming from all different places, different walks of life. Some have been religious and under the religious system and had specific rules and regulations. Then you had those that had no church background that were coming in, that were just living and doing what they've always done. And there was kind of this clash, if you like, of, of worldviews going on of, and it was over stuff like the religious people were saying, you can't eat that kind of meat. This group over here were going, I raised this meat. What do you mean I can't eat it? I've done this my whole life. Like this has been a part of who I am. And now you're saying I can't. And, and so there was this bickering kind of going on. And, and in the midst of that, then they were talking about what day the Sabbath was and when you should rest and shouldn't rest and, and keeping a day and which day. And, and, and so there's all this kind of like tension building. And in the midst of the tension, what, what Paul begins to do is he begins to pull back and, and begins to remind him of a few core foundational principles to what makes you you, what makes me me, what make, makes humans really matter, and what makes this life that is but a vapor really important. And in verse 7 then it says, For none of us lives, our, our, for, none of us lives for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. None of us lives for ourselves. And here's all I want you to get from that, because the verse before was just talking about honoring God and thanking God. And, and so the context is God. But I, I also want to do this that go just just pull out this thought. You're connected. Your life's connected. You're, you're not an island. You're not in a vacuum. It's not just you. You. 
You can, and that's true whether you know Jesus or not, by the way, because because you were born into a family or you've connected with people along the way and, and we're connected. But in this context, what he begins to do is go, go your life, the way you live your life, your life is, has an anchor point, especially if you are a believer and you've come into this place where you're like, man, I'm trusting this Jesus, I'm following this Jesus, then your individual life has, has a connection point. And in the next verse, he begins to define what that is. If we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. So he, so he says, wait, 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 believers, if, you, if you're here and you go, man, I'm, I'm trusting this Jesus, I've leaned into this Jesus, then he goes, your life, your life is no longer yours, your life is now the Lord's. And that word Lord is one that, like, if we're really honest, for me personally, I don't like it. And I'll tell you why. Because it means that I don't have ultimate authority over my life. That grates against my humanity. My fallen nature grates against this idea that, man, my life is not mine and there is an authority leading my life and guiding my life that that I now am connected to. So when I live, how I live, it's for who? That ultimate authority. And so now just in in pulling it a little further back then, we begin to define if my individual life is under the authority of God, then when we talk about what the church is, when we talk about this, we could probably begin to talk about it in terms of this is a collective of people who have said yes to Jesus. That's what the church is. The church isn't a building. The church isn't a service time. The church isn't like like any of this. What the church is, the church is a collective of people who recognize when I said yes to Jesus, I came under the authority of Jesus. I came under the authority of God. There is now a bigger guiding force, a, a person guiding my life. And as that person guides my life as an individual, when we come together in this room and we become a collective whole that we call, that God calls the church, we now have a collective surrender that takes place to that authority. But here's the thing. We talk about resolutions. We talk about what we should do. We talk about where we should go. We talk about all of that, right? Everybody has an opinion. You want to eat healthy, eat kale. Kale wasn't even around when I was a kid, right? Somebody made it up, made a lot of money, right? (laughs) It's healthy for you. Next year, they'll tell you it's not healthy for you. You need to eat this, right? You've been around long enough. I grew up in England. They told you fish and chips were good for you, right? Then they told you they're bad for you. Now they're going back to saying it's good for you. Who knows, right? Everybody has an opinion. This is an opinion that we can now anchor into for the next season, going my role within the collective whole, my role, whether I stand on stage or I sit where you, it doesn't matter. Whether I lead or don't lead, my role before God in the collective whole is to surrender to His authority over my life. Because if we all do that, then there is a collective surrender. And then we'll go places and we'll we'll chase things. Not that we want, that He wants. I love that because that really is... we are a collective of people right here and right now. But here in 2017, we're also joining in with a collective of Christ followers that have preceded us for centuries now. 
generation after generation after generation of people who uh, understood the gospel, who heard about the grace, mercy, love, forgiveness, plan, purpose that Jesus had for them. And they also said yes. It changed everything for them. And they were faithful to then live out their faith, live out the gospel amongst other people around them that maybe did not know the good news of Jesus. And it, it snowballed. And so we sit here today um, as the Holy Spirit has just continued to author this phenomenal story through the lives of all sorts of people here centuries later. We're so thankful to God at work in the lives of everyday, ordinary people just like us. The good news being transferred from generation to generation and people continually willing to say, I, I want to be a part of this collective. I want to be a part of the church. I want to be a part of this grand story that he's been authoring for all time. I, I want to be a part of something greater than myself. And what an invitation that is. What an opportunity that is. Um, what, what sets up the passage that John was talking about just a handful of verses before is in Romans chapter 13. And at the end of that chapter, in, in verses 11 uh, through 12, it, it says, now listen to the, the action-oriented words here. Uh, Paul says, and, and do this, understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. So if Paul is trying to uh, get people to wake up in his time, saying salvation's near for the people that are there and the ones that have yet to hear that were alive at that time, um, and we know that, that the Lord is coming back for his people someday, um, now here 2,000 years later, it may seem slow, but we know that his slowness is not slowness, as some understand it, but rather it's patience. He's still at work. He's still unfolding his kingdom and his plan. He's still trying to uh, win people to himself. He's still seeking out the, the lost. And you and I, as followers of Jesus, if you are one here today, uh, have a part to play. He's inviting us in uh, to this, this amazing activity of living out our faith, uh, loving actively the people around us the way that, that Jesus would. Uh, the, the night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. In, in other words, it's as true in Paul's day with the Romans as it is today. Uh, we've got a moment here, we've got an opportunity here where we should be focused on a, a right walk with God, not a sleepwalk with God. And, and so this is specific to us as followers of Jesus, first and foremost. Uh, awake, let's wake up, let's stop the chatter and, and get to, to work here. Um, Paul described his journey of following Jesus as as a, a great labor. It's something that he worked at. Um, he, he recognized that it wasn't just sitting around and it wasn't just chit-chatting, but there was uh, an awful lot to, to do. And uh, he didn't have time to waste. 
He couldn't sleep through it. And I, I, again, I, I don't want that to be me. I don't want to be a sleepwalking follower of Jesus. I don't want Heights Church to be known as, as this big, fat, and happy group of sleepers. I don't want that. You don't want that. The Lord certainly doesn't want that. And so uh, this is as good a time as any to remind ourselves, let's, let's wake up. Uh, being awake is so much better than being asleep uh, when it comes to furthering the kingdom of God and allowing God to use us for whatever uh, it, it might be. And then he starts to get specific here by, by this, this conversation about what we need to put aside and what we need to put on. Now put aside deeds of darkness and put on the, the armor of light. Let us behave uh, decently as in the daytime. Uh, when people can see, rather than the stuff that we do when we're uh, in, in a place where people can't see. Live in such a way where your life is, is one of integrity. It, it, when you're out and around people, the, the way that you act when other people are watching, um, that you would do that also in, in private. Uh, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality, debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. And do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. You and I are in a constant state then in this vapor that we've got of, of putting off the old way and putting on uh, the new way. Uh, to, to dress appropriately uh, for what God has called us to do in our life. We are called to dress appropriately. I've got three little kids. I've got a 10-year-old and a 9-year-old. They're both boys. Never, ever dress appropriately. I've got a 3-year-old little girl. And we literally have to dress. She doesn't even understand the concept of dressing appropriately. It's 20 degrees outside. It is snowing. And my boys are going out in shorts and bare feet. That's not appropriate dress for what they're about to go do. And then they went out and they went out and foraged out in the thickets where those little tiny, their, their clothes picked up those little tiny spiky death stickers <laughs> that get in every little crevice of your clothing. And then, of course, they didn't tell us about it. Of course, they just threw those clothes with the death stickers into their hamper. And of course, we... We threw the hamper of their clothes into a load of laundry with our bath towels. I will tell you, you have never been awakened from your slumber than when you try to dry off with a towel full of death stickers. You do that flip move over the back and then, whoa, that's like 80 grit sandpaper. Is this... A cat's tongue that I'm drying off with. It was painful. But for us, spiritually speaking, um, spiritually speaking. I'm thinking you should stay away from the outdoors. The outdoors and you don't seem like. Seriously. Um, oh, I should have clothed myself with some sort of cushion today. Some hemorrhoid pillow or something. Um, but we're constantly spiritually, I think, we have the opportunity by, by the power of the Spirit of Almighty God to, 
to take off stuff that should never have been on us in, in the first place. Um, we, we have the opportunity and the invitation, uh, the command to put stuff aside, take it off. It's going to hurt you. Uh, this isn't appropriate dress for you. This will bring you harm. So take it off. Put it aside. Stop it. And that has been the message of the church for a long time. And then it just kind of stops there occasionally without the end put on. Well, that sets us up for failure. If we just try to take off all the bad stuff without putting on the Lord Jesus Christ, well, then you're, you're naked, you're cold, you're prone, susceptible to whatever you need to reach out to now clothe yourself with. And, and so really, this, this taking off the bad stuff, I know that's hard. When you hear those words, take this off, put it aside, well, I don't feel like it. Or I'm addicted to it. Or it's too hard. Yeah, I know. But when, when you get to those places in other areas of your life, struggles with uh, substances or food or money or you name it, I mean, you start to recognize, oh my goodness, we, this is not good for me what I'm, I'm wrapped up in. And you have to come to that conclusion that, that this isn't good in the first place. And then oftentimes you can't get out of the clothes that you're in alone. And so you need somebody else to come alongside. Again, the collective has a part to play with each other where we can come alongside each other and say, I'll help. I'm not going to freak out with what you're clothed in. I see it. I got my own set of issues that I'm clothed in. But I'll come alongside and help pull yours off. But I also want to come alongside and help put something else on you. And spiritually speaking, it's, the gospel. Spiritually speaking, it's a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so for us to make that the, the focal point of what we're going to clothe ourselves with, I think is so, so key. Because that's, that's what Paul's doing here. This is an amazing letter, Romans, about the gospel. But by the time he's wrapping this up in the last handful of chapters, he's just trying to paint the picture that when the church collective becomes one, when it's really unified, that's when the gospel best goes out to the lost. And if you don't know Jesus and you're here today, our heart's desire is that you would come to know Him, come to know that He loves you, come to know His truth, His grace, His forgiveness, His plan, His righteousness, His peace, that you would be wrapped up in that. And we want to see that take place in whole new ways this year. I am convinced from the Lord that He's giving Heights a vision to reach all of northern Arizona for Him. I think we play a pivotal role in that taking place. Second, I think we've got to care for and disciple up the people that we have already incredibly well for the purposes of going out and reaching people who don't know Jesus. Clothe ourselves and then go out and help clothe those with Jesus. I, I'm, I'm excited for that. And so it's with living with urgency and, and allowing that to become our DNA. Meaning you wake up tomorrow and, and what's on your mind is this is temporal. That's eternal. This is temporal. That's eternal. This is temporal. That's eternal. 
With that mindset, then, as you begin to navigate outward, going with the, with the thought over your life that that as a follower of Jesus, I'm under the authority of Almighty God, meaning He directs my steps, meaning that that the choices that I make moving out with life is short, life is a vapor. Like, this is temporal, that's eternal, building for that. As I move out on that footing with, with this idea of, of I'm living under, I'm living for, I'm living to the Lord, then, then the, it, it can become overwhelming if you stop there. But the reality of the way you do that is you clothe yourself with who? With my Savior. I don't begin to live going, man, I just got to work harder and do more and keep. I don't do it that way, because if I do that, you won't get very far before you're frustrated. And this doesn't work. That's why the clothing yourself is so important, because it reminds me of who he is and who I'm not. It reminds me that I have a savior, which makes me not the savior. I need those reminders or else what happens? I begin to make resolutions at this time of year. And what happens in those resolutions is they become simply about me and about how I can improve instead of resting in the fact that I am fully. Do you realize you are fully complete today the way you are? You're complete in Him, and you are to clothe yourself with that every single day. Why? Because then that allows you to move forward. Do you know that we were designed to move forward? Like Ron's saying, this northern Arizona thing, we don't know how. We just know we're supposed to go do it. I don't know what that looks like, but I know we're supposed to. And I know as a collective whole, we're supposed to. How do I know that? Romans 15, two chapters passed. Jumping in at verse 1. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not please ourselves. That not please ourselves is so key. Next verse. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. Hold up, hold up, hold up. It is for the good of your neighbor. Man, this throws me back to Jesus when they're going, well, tell me who my neighbor is, Jesus. And he goes, you know what? That person that you hate the most is your neighbor. And guess what? As those who live with a sense of urgency, who clothe themselves in Jesus Christ, who live because they know today is about the Lord, right? Because tomorrow will be about the Lord. All of eternity will be about the Lord. It says in this moment, then each of us, each of us who said yes to Jesus, should please, should, should for the good of our neighbors. And then what's that last phrase? To build them up. You know that building up is moving forward. It's advancing. It's movement language. It's not static. It's moving out. So it's the way he's been talking about the collective whole. He's been talking about the individual and clothing yourself. And then it builds to this, to this live and find unity. And then, and, and then under this collective surrender to what God wants, he says, okay, okay, it's your neighbors. How do we know, how do we know what it looks like to do things for the good of your neighbors, for the good of people? To ask the question, how can I help? Next verse. For even Christ did not please himself. But as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. Even Christ, where's our model? We go back to who? Jesus. What was Jesus' life about? 
Surrender. Surrender to what? Almighty God. Surrender to the Father. Surrender to a bigger plan. And it was what? What was Jesus doing? It was about movement outward. You see, the way this passage ends, we won't get there, but the way this passage ends is this passage ends with that Jesus came for the Jews, but then it goes out to the Gentiles. Guess who the Gentiles are? You and me. Jesus came. The model is he came. He sacrificed. He did not do what made him happy. He did not make life about him. He did not make it all about what he wanted in his kingdom. And he said, no, 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 it's not about mine. It's about yours. When we as a collective whole begin to go, it's not about mine. It's about yours. It's not about mine. It's about yours. It's not about mine. It's about yours. When we begin to get there, then we start going, where does it need to go? Where does it need to go? Where does it need to go? What's fascinating with Romans 15 is this, that it, that it begins to build. It, it, it talks about your neighbor, and then it talks, about, it talks about Jesus, then it comes back to all of us having the same mind of Christ Jesus, all of us being unified. Why? It doesn't mean we all think the same about everything. It doesn't mean we don't have opinions, but it means that we're on the same mission. We live the same life, the life that is unto him. And as we do that collectively, then we start to take ground. We start to move forward just like the gospel did. There's a line. I, I got to watch Moana with my kids and, and we're watching this movie and they're navigating the oceans. And, and there's this line in there where, where he's, he's teaching her how to navigate the seas. And he says, the way you know where you are, and he turns around and goes, you got to look at where you've been. How did you get here to know where you're going there. And it hit me like in the context of this going, man, if we, if we would pause and individually go, how do we get here? How did John get to Prescott, Arizona from Stoke-on-Trent, England? How did John end up preaching the gospel in Arizona? It was a lady, it was my mama, that sat me on a couch and told me about Jesus. That's it. She was willing, she was willing to keep pushing it forward for my good. Like, who was it in your life? You didn't get here because somewhere along the way, somebody had to tell you, even if you just picked up this book. That means men and women down through the ages, you read their story and that's where it came to life. Who was it for you that when I am not going to live for myself, I'm going to live unto the Lord. And they change your life by giving you the gospel. They change your life by saying, hey, I need to introduce you to somebody. His name is Jesus. And now you sit in a new service, in a new year, in Arizona. And Jesus is calling us forward. See, somewhere along the way, if we, if we pause and we look at the church that way, and we say, how did the church get here? I don't know what the conversations were at First Baptist down on the square when they decided to church plant up on Rosser. I don't know what they were like, but that was innovative for its day. That was staggering for its day. 
I don't know what the conversations were like. Some of you do of the of the 40 that were gathered on roster going. We just have to keep preaching the gospel, keep preaching the gospel. And little did they know the 2017 would launch five services on this campus. None of this existed. But the collective whole went, we got to follow and we got to push out. Church, we are now that collective whole. May we be innovative for the gospel. What I mean by that is let's not get scared, y'all. Let's not get scared and hunker down and think this is as good as it gets. May we in 2017 be bold enough to go whatever we do, we will do by faith. Because the Bible says anything other than that is sin. Let's be bold enough to step out and go forward. Why? Because we're clothed. In Jesus Christ. The day is urgent. And we are to live unto Him, both individually as a collective. And church, we are to take new ground, not for us, but for the gospel, because people need it. Because it's the only solution. There's one verse I want to I want to read over you. It's in Romans 15. Heights Church, 2017, first service. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him. So that you may overflow with hope by the power of His Holy Spirit. Church, may we, may we overflow with hope. As we move forward, God, we come before you. Thank you for loving us. God, thank you. Thank you for giving us a purpose. God, this life is not meaningless because of Jesus. God, thank you for the men and women gathered in this room on the first day of a new year. God, your people, your collective, those you call your church, God, would you give us the courage to individually clothe ourselves with you each and every day to surrender to you and your leading over us. And God, would you give us the courage as a collective of your people, your saved ones, your saints, God, to move forward. To pursue what you want. No matter where it leads, no matter how far, no matter what it means, because there, wherever there is, is always about them. It's always about people. God, we are excited for the people you are going to rescue this year. Give us eyes to see ears to hear, and God, give us courage to follow. We love you, and everybody said, Amen. Amen.